We're back to the Neil Haley Show, and I'm excited to welcome first my co-host, Greg Hanna from Toss C3. How are you, Greg? What's going on? Doing fantastic, Neil. How you doing? Fantastic. I'm excited about our guest. Again, we all know him from Happy Days and much, much more, Anson Williams. Anson, thanks for stopping by. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing fantastic. You know, you're talking about specifically enough uh, your career and everything. What do you think were your greatest highlights doing Happy Days? The greatest moments? Gosh, the great. You know, there were so many great moments, but uh, it wasn't really on the set. Uh, even though that was great, it was off the set because Gary, you know, put together a softball team because he felt that if we're a team, we're going to back each other. It'll kind of take the ego away from the set. And he was right. So we're, we're all ex-athletes. So we went to, uh, we played in most major stadiums and charity games and went overseas and played against, you know, the USO, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines. Um, and, um, and those trips really bonded us. And we just had just, just such memorable experiences. And also, it, it gave us the opportunity to uh, to broaden our, our our lives in entertainment. Gary was very uh, instrumental in um, keeping us grounded and taking advantage uh, of the of Paramount Studio, using it as a college to learn, you know, many other areas of uh, entertainment. And, I, and that really was the catalyst for what really made our careers. That's why we're still in it. I mean, he gave us we were, we're all able to wear many hats. Because, you know, we, we took advantage of the Paramount lot and, and, you know, research directing and writing and producing and, and really just, you know, it was just, a, just an amazing experience to, to learn other areas of entertainment. And we were able to, uh, to actually do some really, really nice, uh, nice projects that dealt with uh, serious issues, you know, like the Disability Act. Ron and I did a, a movie called Skyward with Bette Davis. And it starred the first paraplegic actress, and it was uh, the year of the sable. We 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 were partly uh, in, instrumental in uh, making public access for the dis- for the disabled. Uh, they you know they screened our film at the Kennedy Center, and, and we were able to really you know um, help out a little bit. And we did another little film called No Greater Gift. Actually, the first one I directed. Um, and it was based on organ donorship, and and then they not only did they air it, then it was it was uh, screened in different groups around the country, and we doubled uh, organ donorship cards in the United States. So all that was from Gary Marshall and Happy Days. I mean, it was just a just an amazing, uh, not only creative experience but life experience, and really gave us the tools for you know using um, Hollywood correctly. Uh, hey, that's fantastic. I appreciate that. I was very excited about that softball team. That sounds amazing. And that must have been so much fun. Keep you guys bonded for a lifetime. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, right. I'm sure you all stay in touch. Oh, we do. I mean, it's, it's we're all a phone call alone. I mean, every week we're in touch. You oh, know, fantastic. if we're not seeing each other, we're texting each other, you know. <laughs> and, but oh, yeah, we're just, it's been over four decades. It's a very tight, they're my brothers. Uh, um, and we're there for each other, you know, as friends, as, as really good, good friends. Oh, that's fantastic. How, how did you, um, get involved, um, on the career that even led you to getting started with happy days way back? Well, you know, you have this crazy feeling that <laughs> you know, I want to perform. And, uh, at 18 years old, I, uh, I left, uh, home. And, uh, but back then you could actually get a few guys together and, and rent an apartment. You know, things, it was a little, a little more, it was a little more balanced back then for, for being able to take care of yourself. And I, you know, I started in, in talent nights at nightclubs singing and, and then one thing led to another. I got an apprentice job at Summerstock, which led me, uh, well, and, and then I was able to get my equity card, which is professional theater. So I was able to get in some other productions and one thing led to another. And I started slowly getting a career in the entertainment business. But it really started from standing in line, you know, open auditions, things like that. And one thing led to another through the years. 
Wow. And so that's interesting that you talked about that, that process that you always wanted to be an entertainer. It sounds like, uh, did your family, were they behind you doing this? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> they were depression kids, you know, during, during the twenties. So no, they wanted me to be an engineer, a teacher, you know, something secure. I mean, entertainment, we were, we were just a number in the world, right? The odds were terrible <laughs> making a career out of it. I don't blame them, but they basically were, you know, thinking I'm crazy. And, uh, but I, but I tell people, you know, go with your feelings. Go with your feelings. If you feel it strongly, move forward on it. You're going to end up in the right place. Well, that's interesting. You know, using your gut has always uh, served me well in my life as well. Is is yeah. that a, a study that you've uh, taken beyond that at, at this point? Um, when, when you're younger, you know, you go with that gut feeling, but, you know, sometimes you get a little bit older and you realize that there's much more behind that gut feeling and so on. Have, have you explored that much in your uh, personal life? Oh yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I've learned, I mean, yeah, I've learned to, if I, if I have that, it's a special feeling. If you ha and when you have it, you go with it. You don't get talked out of it. And, and most of the time, I mean, really the major percentage of the time, unless I get in the way of myself, it works out. It works out. So I do believe in a little bit of destiny in people. I think everyone's going to, I think, I don't think we're accidents here just floundering around. I think we all have, direction and a place to be i just think that we have to take the time to calm down understand yourself and then feel that connection to move forward whatever area it is in life that's the, the key thing is whatever area in life and we develop that wisdom don't we anson the older we get and, and i'm and i i see it all the time where you know we learn from our mistakes and if people aren't afraid oh, yeah. to make mistakes they're going to miss out on a lot of exciting things in life, aren't they? Well, mistakes, I don't think mistakes, mistakes it's, just, it's more challenges, you know. Mistakes actually are for the greater good because the mistakes take you to maybe a deeper, more, more positive place, open for more ideas, open for more interpretations, open for more, you know, more of a push in a different area that, than you would have thought of before. So I think mistakes really direct you more than take away from you. I totally agree with that for sure. Um, you know, I'm really curious, you know, it's, it's been amazing. You've had a lot of TV roles, a lot of movies. You talked about the groundbreaking, you know, movies and the subjects that you've, um, you know, been able to be a part of and direct and so on. Um, did yeah. you have a personal favorite? Did you, did you prefer series more or movies or what was your favorite part of that in your career? Mostly, I, I really enjoyed being behind the camera more than in front of the camera, you know, and, you know, as, as a writer and a director and in directing, um, it's been, uh, you know, 95% television, you know, a couple little films here and there, but mostly television. Um, there's been, I don't know, there's been quite, quite a few, quite a few times. I just thought certain things were special, even television segments. I did a lot of Star Trek, a lot of Voyager. They had some really insightful morality shows, you know, within, within the context of the series. And I was able to direct a few of those, which were really meaningful, really effective. Uh, and then, of course, the original, you know, some of the original materials I was part of, like Skyward, like No Greater Gift, like Lone Star Kid, starring James Earl Jones, which is about the youngest mayor in the history of the United States. And, and it wasn't cute. He was 12 years old. And uh, it was a microcosm for the purity of democracy, the way it should work, especially today. But um, yeah, so there's a, so there's a lot of uh, a lot of different um, projects that that I was fortunate to be collaborative with a team to get done. And uh, and uh, it, it's just it's a wonderful feeling that that they're out there forever, and hopefully we continue to help people. And that we're going to talk about your uh, next venture, which is really exciting. But you have an entrepreneurial mindset as well. And Anson, I, uh -huh. I had you on my show before with your entrepreneurial mindset where you you created a product that and promoted a product that really uh, helped people. And you can explain some yeah. of the entrepreneurial things you've done. Well, yeah, um, it's kind of, kind of born with that. And I've always been a person to see what I have, not what I don't have. It's very easy to, to, to get 
jaded and, oh my gosh, I don't have this. Oh, I, and there's something really good right in front of you that you're not seeing. It's just mine it a little bit. And uh, in fact, even Happy Days quickly, entrepreneurially, when we started Happy Days way back when, we were not paid like the television stars of today, nowhere near. And um, in fact, I'll even tell you, it was, it, it was $900 an episode, okay? Which was okay, I mean, not, but you're not gonna get rich off that. So we weren't making a lot. And you know, you, you, could, you could like complain, oh, I should get more, or I looked at it, and what can I do with what I have? And David Cassidy I knew, and Partridge family had ended, and he was you know, explaining to me how much better he was doing off the show than on the show with his singing, right? And he was huge. The, when we started Happy Days, it was the last year of the Brady Bunch. And Barry Williams told me that they put together a singing group and how much better they were doing off the show than on the show. And then I knew, you know, Ricky Nelson on Ozzy and Harriet and all this. And so I went, you know, I'm thinking, well, I sing and I've done all this. And maybe I can convince Gary Marshall to put a band on the show. If there's a band on the show, maybe I can get a record deal and then maybe I can get booked and maybe I can actually make some money. So I found Gary one morning and he didn't have, I asked to speak with him. He didn't have, he says, he said, I don't have, I don't have time right now. I said, only take a minute. He said, okay, you got a minute, walk with me. So I walked with him and in about 60 seconds, I did the elevator pitch. You got girls on the show. You got, you know, you got cars on the show. We need a band in Arnold's. He goes, what, a band? I go, yeah, I sing. He goes, you sing? I go, yes, I do. He said, are you good? I go, I think I'm okay. Wow, a band. And, and Gary used to be a drummer before he was a comedian, before he was an actor, before he became a genius, you know, television creator. He said, I like that idea. He said, you're good, right? I go, yeah, I'm pretty good. I think I'm pretty good. Well, I don't have time to hear you, but yeah, okay. He goes, there's a show coming up, fraternity. Let's try it out. Richie can play the sax. Ralphie can play the piano. This, this might be cute. I just, and he walks away. And I, I, I changed my life. I'm singing on national television. But then he yells back at me, but you're singing to a bulldog. I go, why? He says, well, I'll just sing to Bulldog and Sullivan. He goes, you know, and, and he says, I believe you're good. But if you're good, if you're bad, I'm going to get laughs. Singing to a bulldog. So there I am singing. I'm all shook up on national television to a bulldog. And... But he liked it, and, the, and America liked it. So all of a sudden, he put me in charge of my music. About every third show, I got to sing a song. I was signed by um, Chelsea Records, David Cassidy's label. Um, I started getting state fair bookings. So I was making $900 an episode and $17,000 a night singing, doing concerts. Oh and that all, and that all, that all came from seeing what I have, not what I didn't have. And Gary Marshall coming up to me uh, saying, I'm proud of you. You don't bitch. You don't bitch. You found opportunity and you're helping the show too. (laughs) (laughs) So that was just one example of see what you have, not what you don't have in life. Wow. (laughs) That's uh, pulling a rabbit out of a hat in an amazing way. And an excellent example. Everyone can do that. Everyone can do that. There was, a, I remember in high school, there was a, a at this, I think it was the Smokehouse Restaurant in Burbank years ago. I, I, you know, every, all the high school guys were trying to get part-time jobs. That was a good one, right? And I didn't, I didn't get it. I, I became an assistant janitor at a department store. But um, just to show opportunity, there was just a, a self-educated uh, Hispanic young man, self-educated, he had an instinct, just an instinct entrepreneurially. But he, there he is washing dishes. Now, what opportunity is there washing dishes? Nothing, right? But he thought, you know, this soap is horrible. This, whatever soap they're using for in restaurants, he went and developed his own at home. And he, started, and he started using it at the restaurant. And the dishes were so much brighter and cleaner. All of a sudden, and some, some people came in, an investor came in. That dishwasher became a millionaire because <laughs> he found opportunity right in front of him. And he used it. And my gosh, that's what we have to do in life, everybody. You've got, you know, you got to see what you have, not what you don't have. There's opportunity there, tremendous opportunity there. But you got to look for it. You got to move forward with it. Real quick follow up to that. You know, 
it, it seemed that we went through a little bit of a period where, you know, the youngsters uh, coming up, they were more into entitlement than, you know, opportunity and having a, you know, a chance to build a career or, or find their way. Do, do you think we're growing beyond that now? Do you think we're going to get back to, you know, more of a mindset of, um, you know, picking ourselves up by the bootstraps and figuring things out and putting ourselves in the right place at the right time? We need to. It's not, do you think we better? <laughs> we better. I do think so. I mean, every time when I'm, you know, with the internet now, it's, uh, it's great. It's a huge problem because everyone wants to fit in somewhere. And, and on the internet, you could be absolutely wrong, but you, get, but you can get in with the wrong group that makes you feel right. It's not really healthy for anybody. Um, again, these young people have to find themselves. What I, I am finding with, through a lot of the youth I'm meeting, I think it's coming back. I do think there's an innate sense of human nature of, you know, of getting up and moving forward. I really do. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to be positive on this. And, and, and more than hope and pray, I believe it's there. I believe uh, we'll, get, we'll get back to, to, to just basics and a little bit of love, a little bit of kindness and less greed. Greed is killing us, guys, just killing yeah. us. Self-centered, just, I mean, I look at things like the political platform now. I look, it looks like a cartoon to me. It's so ludicrous. Right. And yet, people are embracing this stuff. I'm going, gee, I mean. No. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like embracing Brutus on Popeye. I mean, it's like, <laughs> for God's sake, just common yeah. sense, people, you know. Is that why you decided politics for yourself? Did you ever think that was going to be Anson Williams politics and running for mayor? No, never. No, no, never. Um, years and years ago, I was on the board of USO uh, in charge of entertainment, and uh, which was, I won't get into all the details, but it was a very satisfying time, and it was really wonderful to be part of that. And they asked me to run for Congress back then. I'm talking decades ago. And I'm thinking, uh-uh, oh, gosh, no. This may, mayor, being mayor here, it's not politics. Ojai is a special, special little community that's small enough, but you really can do something. You know, we, if we're together, together, we really can do something. And, and actually, this, this, there's a shining light on this community that does echo to, to the country. And I think we can show the best of what, of what community can be and what it's about. It's, we're givers, not takers in community. But, but re, and also the main reason, too, is a lot of people don't know I went through a serious health condition like over five years ago for various reasons. And, you know, I, I, I got to first base in terms of, like, not surviving. Not third base, but the first base. I mean, it was enough to, to really wake you up. And so I was healing from that, and I was going through really a bad personal situation. And I came up to my house in Ohio, pretty much a broken guy. I mean, not myself at all. And um, I was embraced by people in this community and they helped me heal and slowly I got back to, to who I'd been and I totally learned that Ohio is a place that's about giving more than asking so so more than taking so when someone came to me and asked if I would run for mayor I said I have to run to mayor I got to give back so and I'm giving back because we do need we do need some corrections. We do need we do need to right the ship in, a, in certain areas. We're getting too much division in the small community, and we're losing our togetherness. We're losing. We're, we're, all I'm hearing is no instead of yes, and yes has done wonderful things for Ojai. So it's basically bringing back the spirit and connecting and people and people and people understanding they count. And I'm going to do that. I'm all, and there's also so many practical things we can do. Uh, there's so much disinformation. Just disinformation. For a political game, even in the small community, it's got to stop, man. It's got to stop. Uh, we got to get back to what's right for Ojai, not not what's right for backdoor politics. So um, I'm going to bring people together. You know, I'm going to create community, not division. But we all have a role to play in that because to keep Ojai Ojai. And also, I'm going to get to the true facts of situations and stuff. People running on fear, even here, running on fear by not having the real facts. Um, that's got to stop. Also, you know, I spoke to five small town mayors in California that pretty much 
have the same challenges as at Ojai. They're tourist communities. You know, they don't want to overbuild. They need, you know, affordable housing, you know, water situations, all this. And they were great to me. I was able to spend hours speaking with these amazing leaders before I put my hat in. And I learned so much that hasn't been discussed, hasn't been brought out in the open, that can really help our community, really financially, without putting another nail in to build another hotel room with the tourists we have. There's so much we can do by just asking and going out and studying and researching and, and, and collaborating with other, with other mayors and other communities that would love to help us. That's what I'm doing, guys. That's what I'm doing. You know, I'm, again, I'm finding what we have, not we don't, what we don't have. I'm looking to sustain and I'm looking to thrive with what we have. And there's so much we can do with what we have, but it's got to be together. It's got to be community. And this mayor thing is two years. I have two years to write this ship if I win. And damn it, I'm going to do it. Well, I believe you will. You know, when you do become mayor, you know, you might have some downtime and, you know, you might think about what might be going on on the on the world stage or even at the Washington stage in our country. You know, if you had a magic wand and uh, you you could cast that across, uh, you know, the, across the U.S. and politics, you know, what would be the top three things that you would love to see different or changed with what we're going through right now? Oh my God. Top three things. I think the character of business has to change guys. This, it all starts from greed. And to me, it's one big thing. We've gotten the business, big business gotten so greedy, so unnecessarily greedy and self-involved and egotistical and, and, and the business of politics, the business of business, you know, everybody, it's, it's not country first, it's becoming me first. And honestly, we can put all the, we can do all the rules we want to, to Congress. And believe me, and, and, and these businesses in every area will, and you, we see it, they'll find every way to get around it. Until the character business changes, the people go, you know, this is an example. I have this, this, this 10 extra dollars and it's not changing my life. I'm going to decide to give back. Me, my character, I'm giving back because I want to. That's what's going to change this country. Nothing else. That's what's going to change this country. The character of business, which and business enters all sorts of levels of human life. So that, that, that changes. Trust me, everything changes to the good. Powerful stuff. And when I hear this, Anson, and I think that it's such a, a great responsibility that you're, you're undertaking running for mayor, uh, are you confident you're going to win? Do you feel confident? Um, I feel confident. I, when I feel confident, my story's going to get out there, my heartfelt reason for running, and uh, no, I, I, I hope to win. I, I, I hope to win. Am I confident I'm going to win? At 55, you know, I don't know. I don't know yet because we're just starting. You know, the campaign's just starting. So, um, you know, I, I think one thing, is, confidence is great, but overly confident at times can really, you know, um, make, it helps you lose an election. You always got to be the underdog. You know, you've always got to be working, always trying. That's what I'm going to do. And if I win, it's because people want me. It's because my word got out and what I'm saying resonates with them. So, yeah, I'm confident. I'm confident I'd be a really good mayor. I'm confident I, 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 can, I, can, I can embrace this community and motivate them to, to, to work together. I'm confident we can get so much done that's going to go way past my term. For the, I want to bring new generations into the government here too, the millennials, the new group. I want them to come in. I want, I want to put the pieces in place where our city, again, can sustain the specialness of Ohio, absolutely, but thrive with what we have. I don't want to get that done. I want to put, I want to put all that in place. And my com that I'm confident about. All right, Greg, uh, any, another question for Anson before I let him go. Well, just a, a quick little aside. Does, does it bother you or do you like it when people come up to you and sing happy days? Oh, you know, it's so funny. It's been so long. I, lo I, ask, I love it now. I especially love it when there's young kids. They go, they're, 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 
all of a sudden Happy Days is on again and they love it. These 10, 12-year-old kids, 8-year-old kids. Yeah, it's really, it's nice. It really is nice because they, because it, they come out with joy, you know, it makes them feel good, the show. And because it's always been old, even when it went on, it was, it was old. So it's always new. And it was funny, years ago, Ron, years, decades ago, we're in the middle of the show. And I'm complaining to Ron about, oh, this Potsy thing. And Ron goes, what are you complaining about? I got two. I got Opie and Richie. He said, <laughs> so he said, he said, we have to earn, he said, we have to earn our name, Anson. They know it's in this. He's scared. Well, let's use this and earn our names. So I went, wow, that's, yeah, I understand that. So I, I believe we've all earned our names and what we've done with, with the Happy Days Opportunity. But, but now it's really joyous that people come up smiling and, we, and they love Potsy or they love Ralphie. It's, all, it's, just, it's just, it's wonderful that, you know, we've done something in our lives that will continue to give people joy and a little smile. Definitely. Wow. I mean, and that's the excitement and your fan base is such an important thing and it keeps you going right. Happy days will live on forever. And that's the exciting yeah. thing about it is it will, and you will be, you're creating a legacy based on being part of that, that brand. And without your fans, you wouldn't stay working, right? You, you, you no, without a, again, that's, that's, that's collaboration. Your fans. It's all together. No one does anything by themselves. You know, no one does everything. You, you know, you need a team and, you know, fans are that team. Uh, definitely. All right. So are there other projects going on right now, Anson, you want to tell us about before we let you go? Not just the mayor, but other things as well. Oh, oh I'm working. On, I can't really, t I'll call you. We'll have another conversation. I'm working on a couple of things. Entertainment wise. That's uh, more internet based. That really hasn't been done before, but. It's very exciting. So I'm just in the process of, of getting all that together. Uh, and it's, it's quite different. And, and, and I think really kind of, kind of exciting. Well, we're going to so, definitely, um, have but, you, yeah, definitely going to have you on again. I, mean, I can't wait to hear about that. And where's the best place to can find yeah. information? I was going to tell you, I said, hey, you know, you're welcome to come back on. Again, my podcast, I, I, it's a radio and television show, Anson, but also my podcast is number 12. Celebrity podcast in the world, according to Feedspot. So I'm really growing, and I want to have you back. So again, anytime, you're welcome. Oh, I, I would love. To, I'm sorry about this technology thing here. I don't know hey, what the heck happened. Hey, 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 we're gonna figure all that out, man. It, we had a great conversation. I've had you on years ago. I love your your entrepreneurial mindset, and you know, happy days. Everyone loves happy days. But where's the best place people can connect with you? Where can they go? Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah. So anyway, I, the tech will work next time for sure. Oh, absolutely. No, okay, we appreciate it. Yeah. And I said, where is our website, best place people can check you out? I, oh, AnsonForMayor.com. All right, AnsonForMayor.com. Well, the links will be in the yes. show notes. I appreciate it, Anson. You're the, you're the best, and thanks for stopping by. Thank you so much. God bless, guys. God bless everybody. Stay safe. Have a great day now. Right, Thank you. Care. All right, thanks again. Bye. All right, bye. You're listening and watching The Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, and welcome to Women CEO and Reflection, a podcast dedicated to personal growth and mental health discussions with women CEOs across the globe. It's here where inspired women get candid about what drives them to succeed and the personal challenges they've encountered on their path to success. So if you're a woman on a mission, this is the podcast you don't want to miss. So sit back, relax, and let's get candid. Hi, and welcome to Women CEO in Reflection. I'm Marisa Jones, and I'm joined by my co-host, Neil Haley. Today, we have an exciting guest who is all about movement, and I can't wait to, for her to share about what she does. Lila Veronica is a speaker, podcast host, and CEO of the Riverstone Movement School, where she helps high performers, business owners, and organizational leaders shift the physical component of their life by integrating movement into their mental mastery journeys. Welcome, Leela. Did I say that correctly? Leela, <laughs> yes, thank you, darling. <laughs> thank you, and welcome to the show. So glad you're here. Um, tell us a little bit about what you do and how you got into this space, because it's very unique. Yes, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for doing this podcast and serving women, serving CEOs and 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 anybody else who's listening, because I know, um, you know, the more we learn, the more we have choice in life. 
and and so I really appreciate being here. I got into movement. I've really been a mover my whole life. Uh, I was told to sit down and shut up most <laughs> of my life growing up. <laughs> stop moving, stop talking, and now I move and speak for a living. And I'm so grateful that I have you know uh, created a lifestyle where I can do where you know I can live in my gifts more. I spent about 15 years in academia and consulting, doing environmental work, bachelor's, master's, PhD journey. Um, uh, I studied a lot about how people interacted with the world and for in terms of environmental decisions. I could go on about a bajillion different stories, but I've really always been somebody who's been into caring about people, caring about the world. I have a global vision. I've worked on uh, in my business, my coaching business, I've worked with or spoken on all seven continents, including on Antarctica. And so I have this just like care, right? This like bleeding heart syndrome. And what I found over the years, I got out of academia because I was in my head so much. I was a high level intellectual. They got worn out and my relationships were uh, not great. I was like high level adrenaline. My mental health was not strong. I grew up in a a poor, abusive home, single mother, high achiever, right? Trying to get out of that. And all I did was kind of abuse my own body, not in my relationships, not knowing until it all was kind of unraveling. I got to the point where I had high blood pressure. I was about 35 pounds overweight. Um, I had sciatica really bad and I was, my adrenals were shot and I just was laid out for a week. Couldn't even get off the couch. And I thought I got to do something different. And so I started going to this yoga class. I went 42 days in a row because that's what high achievers do. Weird stuff like that, right? (laughs) What I found was the more I spent time with myself and my body, the happier I felt. I ended up leaving an abusive marriage, leaving my career actually, and deciding to chase this love of myself thing. My brother says I had an eat, pray, love moment. You know, I had an awakening of sorts to my own limiting beliefs, negative thoughts, and all of it came for me through my physical movement, my mentor says the issues are in the tissues. So I had to wring some things out to open up space for love and joy and all that. I did all that around 2014, 2015, and then started my business in 2014, started uh, teaching movement and realized that the body stuff and the mind stuff was so interrelated started studying mindset, coaching. I, um, everything, you know, I could do around not having stress in your life, stress chemicals in the body, all the physical stuff around mental stuff. Right. So there's a lot of mindset work out there, but I still feel there's a lot of missing piece. This like feminine piece is the body. It's, it's missing piece to the, the life mastery is the mind body, you know, kind of the soul living through that. So the mindset work works but only so far for some people, I bring in the embodiment piece, this like movement posture alignment stuff that I learned and that I've just lived for years. And I, it it is like a rocket ship for people. And so I have to share it. Um, And my clients, the people that I love to work with or speak to or talk to are like me. They're like high intellectual smarty pants women because I know they have a lot to give, but kind of suffer sometimes. And I'm like, if they didn't suffer, imagine how much more they could offer the world. What if we could heal the world with a woman's heart? Right. I love that's my, that. That's my feeling. So I have to, yeah, it's like, I have to do this because I know the global potential if we just start, you know, one heart at a time. So many, so many women who are high achievers do come from abusive situations in the past, and that's where they get it from because they're trying to get out of it. Um, but then they they lose themselves in the process because you talk about femininity quite a bit, and that's so important because in order to be successful, we put ourselves in in a man's shoes, and we have to do this, and we have to climb the corporate ladder, and we have to become a CEO of somebody else's organization. And I was on that track for years, right? But that 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 really, for some, um, if you're not doing it within your own authentic self, you can lose yourself in the process. Um, I know I did, and I know other women who have done that. Um, and the body part is so important. Um, 
everything I do is mind, body, emotions, right? Because it's all connected. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking? Where is it? How is it expressing itself in your body? And the emo- what are the emotions behind it? Um, I'm still practicing on the body part because that's the part I spend the least amount of time on um, besides like typical outdoors and movement and stuff because we think that the mind is so much more important than the physical self, but the physical self plays, they, they're all interconnected. So I love what you're doing. Here's the deal. The mind is the body. We think it's the brain. It's not. The pinky toe is the mind. That's what somehow generationally women have forgotten. We have lost our innate awareness, wisdom. Because it's we the man's world is the consciousness, the head, the thinking. That's what we've been into. And so now I'm like saying, hey, get into the feeling of the pinky toe. You know, feel your femur bone. People are like, what? Exactly. That's, exactly. that's right. I was going to say to you that you figured it out in a way that's different, that o- opens up other opportunity to really look deeper into yourself. Everyone's focusing on the mind and that if you don't, your body's not healthy, your mind's not going to be healthy, right? That's the biggest thing that people miss. And we're pushing people away. So I work with business owners, right? A lot. I help people make a lot of money. I love it. It's fun. And I do it through embodying the future feeling state, not through, I mean, I see strategy, but that's like, and you can learn that on YouTube. Like, it's not that hard to do a strategy. You just do it. But the problem is, is the energy behind it, right? And so I, I'm speaking next month or next week, excuse me, in front of a bunch of people about sales, right? What am I going to talk about? The exact same thing. It is the body being in the, the mind and the body. Those grounded pe- people call it grounded. It's really just they're in the right. body, right? When they move through space. So a lot of people might teach like meditation and stillness practices. They're beautiful. But what I teach is like full body presence practice through life, how you walk, sit, stand, get in your car, walk up the stairs, all of this, it's different than everybody else being in their head if you're in your body. So that's why people get opportunity to make more money, sales conversation, there's no attachment in the heady. Nobody wants to like connect with somebody in the head. They want to connect with the heart, the gut, the intuition. Right. So- that's why this is so fun to play with high-level leaders because once they use it, they attract more. And, and having an awareness of your body allows you to become present because not only are you aware of your physical self, you're aware of the, the physical space that you're uh, taking up and your environment and all of that. And I'm, I'm big on awareness. My favorite type of meditation is like a walking meditation because you're feeling every, every you know, starting with the the toes, you're feeling the toes, then you're feeling, you're experiencing, actually, I'm going to say experiencing, you're experiencing your toes, you're experiencing your calves, you're experiencing your femurs, and you're going up and scanning your body as you're doing this walking meditation, because, and you're doing it with all five senses. And um, it's just that awareness of who you are, puts you in that present moment, so you can experience life and not just run through it and race through it. So let me ask you, um, one of the things that I'm really interested about is for me, really finding my true voice and my authentic self. One of the things that I did several years ago, I was in the corporate world and I stopped coloring my hair. And I was like, everyone kept saying, you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. And I was, I talked about it for years and finally I just said, I'm not fighting this. I look in the mirror and it doesn't seem like it's me when I color my hair. So when I started to just stop coloring and went gray, I look in myself in the mirror and I love what I see because I'm seeing my true authentic self. You recently did something similar with your name. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So uh, I've had four names now. Uh, I was born with a certain last name. I was then adopted by my stepdad got a second last name, right? We've met many people like that. Then I got married, right? I got a third last name. <laughs> <laughs> and then I spent um, almost a decade trying to figure out 
what is my name, right? So I went, I've been going by Leela Veronica, uh, mostly my, my born name was, my born first name is Lillian. I, the number one thing I heard as a child was you're so mature, okay? The reason I was mature is because I had to keep together because of what was going on in my home life, right? And I was trying to get away from all that, you know. So Lillian felt very mature as well. It felt like an old lady's name, which I loved my name. It was nothing negative. I just, it was very mature. Leela came about when I first moved to Colorado, this whole journey I went on. And it means in Sanskrit, divine play. And it came at a time when I was down and out, going through divorce, all these things, moving, kind of nervous about the next steps of life. And when I heard people say Leela, everything was lighted. I was no longer mature. I was playful, right? And I have a lot of playfulness in me. I'm a very exuberant woman. And I had been squashed a lot of my life to keep myself small, you know, state you're too much, stay down, be quiet, right? Sit down. And this new world, let me be big. I could be in, I could jump, I could cartwheel, I could high five. I, go, I join the circus. I have a business. I can do big things, right? That's who I am. And, and this Leela thing was like, okay. So I, I took on that Leela Veronica. I kept that because I didn't, I couldn't figure out what my last name was. And then finally, I met the love of my life and I was like, I need to figure out what my name is. Right. And I was like, it's clear. It's Leela Veronica. It's so simple. That's exactly what I've been calling myself for quite some time. That's what I want. I didn't want attachment to somebody else's name that was kind of put on me. I wanted to choose for myself and I did, and it feels great. And I'm going to tell you like the moment that happened, all these things that I've been kind of like wanting to happen have like unfolded crazily fast. It's all about alignment. Anybody listening? Everything's about alignment. So if something's out of alignment, don't be surprised that something else isn't quite working out. It's okay. Just get everything into alignment, your home, your relationships, you know, your name, all of the things. And then things start to work out much more smoothly. So that's, that's the it. That's the, and I can see how much you see that. That's key. If you believe it, it will happen. If you don't believe you're in, you say you're in alignment, but in your body, it doesn't show you're in alignment. Your, your, the way you speak doesn't show you're in alignment, but yet you're saying the words. It doesn't mean it. It's the, the action. It's how you, res, you respond. It's how you act in a daily basis. And then you could say, this is awesome. I love that. Neil. I yeah. love it. So, um, so running your own business, you're helping others achieve success. And that's got to, that's got to be draining energetically. What do you do to kind of maintain your mental health balance? Uh, or if you come up across a, a challenge that, that, you know, you're struggling with your business, what are some of the things? Oh, I love this. Do? So good. So there's, I would say there's three things that you asked and I'll share about us. Number one, I know myself really well. I've done a lot of self-study that a lot of mentors, coaches, trainings, personality tests, everything. What I know is I need a certain amount of time every single day by myself for whatever I want to do, whether it be bath, exercise, whatever. I need four hours a day. Most people maybe can't have that. Maybe they need less. Maybe they need more. I have a my intellect, so I need to think as well. I need to come up with ideas and create, you know? So I need at least, I, I take at least four hours a day by myself. I do it no matter what, unless I have an event, I'm speaking and retreating and all that kind of stuff. So number one, I honor myself first, because if I don't value myself, how can I expect somebody else to, it ain't going to work. Number Absolutely. One, know thyself first. Number two, when I'm with clients, when I'm doing work, if I'm fully present and I'm not triggering any sort of stress hormones, there's no energy drain. I'm just awake. I'd be awake anyways, doing something else. There's no drain. I'm not giving. I'm just being. And what people need is not poured into, they need an example so they can attune to that, right? I'm not a therapist, I'm a leader. It's different. So you don't have to- I love that. It's so, it's not, you know, I don't, I just be, and I'm like, I show up and I have a good time. I'm just awake. That's what I say. People are like, you're doing so much. I'm like, no, 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 no. I wake up, I go to bed, got some time in between. I do some things just like everybody else. It's not a lot. Cause I'm cool or I'm chill. Now, the other thing is sometimes things happen, like the last part, right? Sometimes things happen. How do you handle it? Well, uh, Dr. John Demartini uh, done his breakthrough experience, brilliant man, or, you know, speaker, been around forever. 
I, I learned from him that at all times in equal amounts, positive and negative are happening. That's how the universe stays together. That's my belief because I've learned it just makes sense. And I've done the practices. If you get your mind there, it's true. Anytime I was being abused, I was also being loved. Anytime I was being stolen from, I was also being poured into. I could go on and on and on, right? And so what I recognize when things go kind of rough, like uh, just recently I had a, in the same day, I got a ticket, well-deserved. I uh, forgot to register my car. It's like, okay, that's, that's deserving. I was late on the registration, my bad. And then I lost a filling and I had to go get a crown and all this stuff, right? Same day. I'm chuckling about it because I was also having a brilliantly joyous day with my, with my man. We were having a really good time, eating good food, listening to music, just having a grand old day. And it was beautiful out. So I was like, this is the example. If we so choose to pay attention to only the negative, that's what we'll see. Only the positive, that's what we'll see. But if we really see everything, it's all happening at the same time in equal amounts. So that's how that's I so great. Kind of rough time. Yeah. When when I wrote my memoir, um, my first draft, I wrote the victim. It was called, you know, the first chapters was called the victim, and then it was my new story. And I wrote it in too. I wrote the whole, you know, how I perceived it for years, and then my new perception. And and then I, you know, hired hired an editor. And she helped me interweave the two because they were the same. I had great moments as a child. I had great family moments. I, there were so many special things about it, even though there was abuse behind it. And so I was able to interweave that throughout my story as one. And we do forget that when, we, when we're in that victim mindset, we forget that there are positive things and not positive where it's like, Oh, that's a lesson learned and you know you move forward there's equally positive things happening at the same time there are negative things happening so i'm i'm glad you pointed that out because it's very important yeah it's power when you are in that middle zone for sure so what advice would you give to um other women who are trying to become leaders mm. This is science. Uh, uh, John Gray talks about it in his you know, newest science books around relationships, the Mars and Venus guy, and it's all over. Women need women. I, I interviewed a woman once who was uh, had a brawl shop in Denver for over 50 years. So she said a lot of women, a lot of different kinds of women stuff, right? She said the most powerful thing, women need women. I don't care who it is, if you got one woman even, that's on your side, your biggest cheerleader. I don't care who it is. If you got a whole team of them, women need women. You have to have like some sort of person to support you, to cheer you on, to guide you. And I really believe that women need women. I, I'm a, I'm, I grew up calling myself a tomboy. I'm, I have two brothers. I get, I understand men actually often better than women. So I've studied women more, right. Honest, but the women are the ones who are, are, are the ones who create that emotional support, Not complaining to each other, but emotional support to keep each other in momentum. We don't necessarily need strategy all the time. Problem solving right. solutions. That, that's the stuff we can get, but we really need that emotional support. Like I have an accountability partner. I talk to five days a week, Monday through Friday. I, uh, I have since 2017, she is a high level leader like me, does speaking, coaching, all the things. And, and there's ups and downs, right? Of, of everything, life, business, everything. And we're one person. We can't just learn business by itself. So if you have an accountability partner or a friend or colleagues or a community, something where they can, you can continuously stay plugged in, then when things are up or down, like I'll give you an example. I also need people to celebrate with right not just problems but also like it is not easy to have a success and have nobody to tell right, right? So women need women that would be my number one um piece of advice for anybody out there who wants to be a female leader thank you too too often women see other women as competition you know whether they're in the same business or not and we really need to i think everyone is a collaborator everyone we can collaborate with and there's no competition and we should all be lifting each other up even if we're if we're buying for the same clients that's that's just the way it is because we do so much more and we can help so much more if we do it together 
Exactly. There, I don't believe in competition. I actually studied collaborative decision making as my PhD research. And I'll tell you, it's like if once you rest into that, that's like heaven to me. I think it's like when you just see everybody is awesome. Right. You know, it's like it's a whole different way of life. So I love that. <laughs> thank you for that. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you so much. We're running out of time. Um, do you have uh, where can people find you? Uh, well, if you want to be my uh, social media friend, I always like uh, new Facebook friends. I'm Lila Veronica, L-I-L-A, uh, on all the social media platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, you know, all that. And then uh, if you want to see a little bit more about what I do with the body, you can go to bodywithlila.com, L-I-L-A, bodywithlila.com, and check out. I've got a, a training there that teaches you about this dynamic alignment stuff that I talk about. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been such a pleasure. And uh, any parting words? Keep breathing, friends. Keep breathing. Keep going. Don't stop. Fantastic. <laughs> thank you. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you for listening to Women CEO in Reflection. To reach out to one of our guests, their contact is in the description of the show. Do you want a total mindset transformation? Apply to Mindset Warrior, The Art of Intentional Thinking, my personal coaching boot camp at IamAMindsetWarrior.com and schedule your call with me today. Thank you. Hi, and welcome to Women CEO and Reflection, a podcast dedicated to personal growth and mental health discussions with women CEOs across the globe. It's here where inspired women get candid about what drives them to succeed and the personal challenges they've encountered on their path to success. So if you're a woman on a mission, this is the podcast you don't want to miss. So sit back, relax, and let's get candid. Hi, welcome to Women CEO in Reflection. I'm Marisa Jones, and I'm joined by my co-host, Neil Haley. Today, we have a wonderful guest and someone you absolutely have to know when you're building out your brand. Jasmine Jasper Dayton is an innovative brand builder and designer. She's the CEO and founder of Brandworks Productions. She has simplified the process of building a brand that works hard for high performance leaders, visionaries, game changers, and disruptors obsessed with finding better ways to solve problems and design products and deliver services that help the people they love working with. Welcome to the show, Jasper. Yay, I'm so glad to be here, Marisa. This is amazing. And Neil, I can't wait to learn more about you too. So yeah, let's have some fun. I'm excited. All right. So let's start off. You have an amazing business around branding and you help uh, other businesses build out their brand and their messaging and so forth. How did you get into this space? Tell us about your journey. Well, my journey started, I'm doing exactly what I love doing. And I actually learned what I wanted to do when I was about four years old. <laughs> and I, I wanted to grow up to be an artist. And what, what occurred was my mother said, oh, you can't make money at that. And so right off the bat, I was like, oh, I'm going to prove her wrong. And so I've been on a journey of uh, making amazing money, but doing it by doing what I love and working with the people that I love working with and helping to show them how they can do those exact same things. So I just love creating, uh, taking the, I guess you could say, taking the dream that's stuck in the entrepreneur's mind because they are stuck in not feeling good enough and their own negative thinking or feeling like they lack self-worth and helping them have the courage to have that self-worth and help them see their own vision and then bring their vision closer into the present moment by turning that dream into a tangible item that they hold in their hands and they can share with not just one person, but millions. That's huge because I mean, the thing is that you look at specifically enough, when you get to help somebody like that, you get to see somebody that's struggling through certain things and they really have a great idea. They have a great story. They have a great something. And yet missing component is just somebody to give them that idea, give them that vision and things change so fast, don't they? They do. And when they have, well, once they actually have, what I've noticed with a lot of entrepreneurs is they are stuck in um, overthinking. They overthink it way too much. They analyze it to the point where they can't, they don't even get it off the ground and it dies on the vine. So I get them unstuck and get them making money at their idea right away 
And what I've noticed is they have their own self-sabotaging mindset thinking. And I, because I can identify it quickly with the way that I work with my, my clients, we get them unstuck from the stories of the past, from just the way that they are misperceiving something or just a, a, a thought process that they are unconscious on what that is, different money blocks, other things like that, where they don't even know how to give an offer. And I help them identify the fact that they are worthy. They have so much value and worth that they share with people and accepting the dollar, knowing how to receive money is the first step. Because <laughs> most people, what I've noticed, entrepreneurs are like, oh, I got to sell this? Yeah, it's time to make some <laughs> money. And they're like, no, oh my God, that's so selfish. Absolutely not. Transforming somebody's life and giving them back their life with whatever it is that you've created for them is not selfish. And by you withholding it and not ex expecting or not accepting payment is selfish to yourself for sure. So some of the things you're trying to do is you're really trying to get them out of their shell uh, from it's a, it's more of a, a personal coaching uh, type of of work that you do because you're really trying to break them out of their shells and find their own worth, which is which is very difficult to do because people really have to want that. Right. They really have to want their dream uh, to, to come alive. So what are some of the focus areas that you help them with in order to overcome that? Well, I cast out the vision. So we, we go out like 90 days because that's about as far as most people can see until they get overwhelmed. And I, even some people I can only go out a week because they're so stuck and I got to do this and I got to do that. Or they just aren't focusing on the things that are going to move the dial. They don't know it because it's their blind spots. So I first get really clear on what it is that they want to create for themselves, their vision, their dream. And I do it with my app. It's called the Quick Decision Maker app. I found a quick way to do it because most people are like, oh, this is going to take forever. They're so stuck in their negative thought process that I'm able to get them out of that quickly by giving them an app, something that they're used to. It's on their phone. It's easy. They can do it at a time when it's convenient for them. And it's done in 10 minutes. It's amazing how much we can get done in 10 minutes when I have their focused attention. And then I'm able to see what their vision is and I can support them in their vision where nobody really in their life has done that, what I found. And nobody has made them, allow them to identify the fact that they do matter. Their vision matters. What they want to create matters. And it matters not only just for the fact that, that they are a human being, but it also matters for all the people that they're gonna be able to touch, move and inspire. And they don't hear that. And so I say those words, I say, you matter, that simple phrase. And they're like, oh, I see their heart open. And now they're available to receive the information that I'm preparing for them. And they're actually able to do the work. I love you that. Know, when you think about specifically enough, and I was going to say, when you think about specifically enough, um, when the, the to get, they gain their confidence, because ultimately at the end of the day, if they don't fully believe they can do it, they're not going to do it, regardless of what talent they have, regardless of how good of a product or service they have. Isn't that true? Exactly. I mean, I work with people that have these self-sabotaging ways of being is what I'm going to call it, because I'm like, I can't believe it. We're about ready. It's ready to launch and you just killed it. You know, I don't say it out loud. To, some of them I can. <laughs> I've got that kind of relationship. I was like, you just realized you just killed it. Really? yeah, why are you doing this to yourself? And they're like, I'm doing it to me? Yes, you are. And they're like, oh my God. Then you see the light bulbs go off and then they, they don't take responsibility. I, I share with them, they, they get to be responsible because taking responsibility as though is outside of them and they have to bring it into them, but really they can be responsible from within for what they create in their life. And that relieves them from the anxiety of the, I don't want to do this. I don't, I don't care. I don't believe in this to I get to do this rather than it being a burden. It's a, I, an opportunity for them to expand and succeed and really propel their business and their dreams. That's wonderful. So, so tell, tell me a little bit, uh, have you,